Good morning, everyone. May the Lord richly bless you. Thank you so much for listening in to our live broadcast. I'm Jason DeMars, and I'm going to speak about the attributes of God, part 10, looking at the immutability of God, and also, uh, if we can get to it, the power of God. So with that said, I just want to remind everyone, if you have any prayer requests, testimonies, or questions, please let me know at jasondemars.com. We also have resources and materials available on our website that you can get for free. Shipping is free as well. Go ahead and check that out. With that said, let's get into the scriptures. So the immutability of God, um, not a word that we always use, but it's in the scripture. Uh, immutable means invariable, unalterable, not capable or susceptible of change. Hebrews 13:8. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Malachi 3:6 says, For I am the Lord, I am Yahweh, I change not. Therefore, ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. The Bible portrays God as immutable, yet as acting, feeling emotions, responding differently to various situations. In all such actions, feelings, and responses, God is constant and consistent. James 1.17 Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Variableness means it uh, changes from one time to another time to another time. The shadow, when a shadow comes, the sun is changing positions, so the shadow is changing positions. God doesn't change positions. God is always consistent and he's always constant. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18 says, Wherein God, willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things, in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us. We can have a strong consolation upon the hope set before us because God is immutable. It's impossible for him to lie. If you're listening in, I just want to encourage you, please send your greetings. I want to greet you. Uh, personally as you're listening live and also remind you please make sure to like and share this video comment on it with things that you're learning or things that you appreciated about it um, and if you're watching on YouTube please make sure to subscribe and click the little bell so that you get notified uh, whenever we go live this also helps us in the algorithms and gets this seen by more people. So thank you for doing that. God is immutable in his nature. God is immutable in his 
attributes as well. Psalms 100 verse 5 says, For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. It's on his, his mercy and his truth don't change, don't vary. He doesn't make one decision. Well, I'm going to have mercy on him. No, they frustrated me really bad. I'm going to go ahead and turn that around and I'm not going to have mercy on him anymore. When God declares that he's going to have mercy on someone, he doesn't change his mind ever. When de God declares his truth, it doesn't change ever. Jeremiah 31, verse 3, For the Lord appear, hath appeared of old unto me, saying, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness have I drawn thee. So when you look at this, we, we've, we're, we've talked about, we're going to talk about the love of God, the mercy of God, the grace of God, the wrath of God. We've talked about the wrath of God, the jealousy of God. Immutability of God is like what colors all of his attributes. So he's unchanging. His love is unchanging. His promises are unchanging. His mercy is unchanging. Numbers 23, 19. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make good? 1 Samuel 15, verse 29, And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. It is often said, and it's been asked of me, if God cannot change, and he's absolutely sovereign over everything that happens, what then is the purpose of prayer? I want, to th I want to just talk about this for one minute. Many of the things that God wills to come to pass are as equally ordained as the prayer that was uttered that brought them to pass. In other words, God necessitated that a certain event would take place, but he also necessitated for that event to take place that your prayer would be uttered to lead to that event. Why? Because God wants us to participate in his plan and program, just like the preaching of the gospel. God could make a voice from heaven come to every individual to speak to them without a preacher. But he doesn't do that. He says it takes a preacher to come to bring the gospel so that people can be saved. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So God sends a preacher to bring salvation to people. God, can, God decreed, he decreed the salvation for that person, but he decreed the means for the salvation for that person as well. All right, so just want to send greetings now. Brother Tony from Madawaska, thank you for listening in. Good morning and God bless you. Brother Gary, good morning. God bless you. Sister Mai, shalom. Thank you for listening in. 
Brother Kenny and Sister Janelle, God bless you. Thank you for listening. Brother Fury, thank you for listening in. It's afternoon for you, so good afternoon, and God bless you. And anyone else listening in, please uh, feel free to comment. We'd like to greet you before the ending of this video. All right, Genesis 6, verse 6. God bless you, small fries. I don't know. I don't know what your real name is, but God bless you, small fries. <laughs> uh, that's, their, that's their YouTube um, uh, name that they have on there. So thank you for listening. Genesis 6, 6 uh, is a verse that sometimes people say is a contradiction, but I want to talk about this. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. So is this a contradiction to what we just read, that God is not a man that he should repent? God often speaks in relationship to his creation in terms that we can relate to. We call this, in theology, an anthropomorphism. That is, the Bible is attributing human qualities to an eternal God so that we can understand who He is. The, pro the, the issue is when we fail to understand that and we take those things too far. For example, in Genesis, here we have, it repented the Lord that He made man on the earth. In Genesis chapter 3, we have God saying, Adam, where art thou? Well, did God not know where Adam was? That he was asking, where are you? That was an anthropomorphism. God coming, humbling himself into human terms to provoke a response in Adam to his calling. Genesis 30, there's, there's many, many instances of that. We'll look at some scriptures that talk about that. Genesis 31, 18. And he gave unto Moses, when he had made an end of communing with him upon Mount Sinai, uh, two tables of testimony, tables of stone, written with the finger of God. All right, here we see, it says God has a finger. Psalms 18 verse 6, in my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Okay, here he has ears. Psalm 18 verse 8, there went up a smoke out of his nostrils. God has a nose, and fire out of his mouth devoured. Coals were kindled by it. So there he has nostrils and a mouth. Psalms 18, verse 15, Then the channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the world were discovered at thy rebuke, O Lord, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. The picture is God is... So David calls on the Lord for help. And he says, My cry 
came to his ears. When my cry came to his ears, then smoke came out of his nose, and fire came out of his came out of his mouth. And and the channels of the water uh, were seen, and the foundations of the earth were discovered at thy rebuke, at the blast of the breath of thy nostrils. What is David describing? He's he's describing God is angry. God hears David's prayer, and God becomes angry at David's enemies, and he goes like almost describing a, a, a fire-breathing dragon. God goes and out of his nostrils and out of his mouth, smoke comes from his nostrils, and fire comes from his mouth. And when that happens, the earth opens up, the water is channeled, pushed away, and David is delivered. What is all of that? That is all an anthropomorphism. None of that really happened. What happened? David prayed, and God brought a great deliverance. He pushed the enemy back, pushed the enemy away, so that David was delivered. So again, an anthropomorphism. Exodus 4, 4 verse 14, And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is not Aaron the Levite thy brother? I know that he can speak well, and also he cometh forth to meet thee, and when he seeth thee, he will be glad in his heart. Again, these are verses portraying God getting angry in the moment. But I want to submit to you, God, God wasn't getting angry in the moment the way a man gets angry in the moment. Again, we can't take man's, uh, we can't define God by man, we define man by God, right? So, in other words, the angle of the Lord was kindled against Moses. This was Moses' experience in that moment. But the reality is, God knew Moses would respond this way and already sent Aaron to come to meet him. This was showing, Moses, I'm displeased with your lack of faith in this moment. But I knew that you would be, would lack faith in this moment. God is not reacting to a situation. God, no, God knew it would happen. He is acting in such a way so that Moses would understand this is displeasing to me. But what God did was completely calculated and pre-planned. Again, an anthropomorphism. Genesis 2, verse 2. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all the wor his work which he had made. So again, God rests. So God was tired from the six days of creation. So he had to have a rest. God doesn't get tired. This is a, another anthropomorphism. This is speaking in human terms so humans can understand. God stopped his work, simply what it means. 
Psalm 78, 65, Then the Lord awakened as one out of sleep, and like a mighty man that shouteth by reason of wine. Again, anthropomorphism. God, someone prays and God, and God makes them wait, then he answers. But here the psalmist is saying, the Lord woke up and he, he got angry like a powerful man who's drunk. So <laughs> it's, an, it's a strange way of speaking. But it's scripture, and again, it's an anthropomorphism. This is from the perspective of man. He's praying, not getting an answer, and then he, he, he all of a sudden receives his answer, and he says it's like God woke up, and when God woke up, he was angry and brought vengeance and defended me against my enemies. All right, Psalm 121, verse 4. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Again, God rested, God slept. And here we have God doesn't slumber or sleep. That's true. God doesn't, never slumbers or sleeps. Those other things were from the perspective of a man or a woman. Job uh, Sorry, Jeremiah 7, verse 13. And now, because you have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not. I called you, but ye answered not. That picture is as though God was asleep all night. God was asleep, and then he wakes up early in order to bring the, his word to you. No, God is not sleeping. He's not slumbering. What it's, what it's saying is that God sent his prophets to deal with the people from morning until night. In other words, I continuously dealt with you. Um, Job 23.13 but he is in one mind, and who can turn him? And what his soul desireth, even that he doeth. Again, God is one mind. This is God in himself, right? Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and callings of God are without repentance. Isaiah fifty four ten. For the mountains will depart, the hills be removed, but my kindness shall not depart from me from thee. Neither shall the covenant of my peace be removed, saith the Lord that hath mercy on thee. God in himself, he doesn't change. He doesn't vary his plan. The sinfulness of man in the days of Noah didn't catch him off guard. God didn't say, oh, I didn't anticipate that you were going to be sinful. Now I'm sad. I made man. I messed up. I made a mistake. I'm going to repent from making man. No, this is all this is all God speaking in a way to us that we understand. If God always just spoke as though oh well, I knew you this was going to happen and and we would never we would never really get the reality of what's going on. 
God's anger was kindled against Moses. Okay, God knew that was going to happen. God wasn't reacting out of anger. He wasn't just like, I can't believe you did that. I'm so shocked. I'm mad. No, it's not that. It's not God sleeping and then waking like a drunk man. God, is, does, God doesn't get drunk. God doesn't sleep. God doesn't have eyes, ears, nose. God is a spirit. No, the Bible says, no man has seen God at any time. Um, the Bible says that uh, no man has seen God, nor can he see God. For God is an invisible spirit. All right? But yet, God took a form. God brought forth from him, just prior to creation, the Logos. He brought forth the Logos. He brought forth a body, a theophany, for himself to dwell in. But that theophany is not God in himself. That, the, that, that theophany is God in a form. So God in himself is spirit. He doesn't have eyes. He doesn't have nose. He doesn't have a mouth. He doesn't sleep. He doesn't, he obviously doesn't get drunk. He doesn't repent. God is in one mind. Who can turn him? What his soul desires, even that he does. The flood of Noah was pre-planned by God before, before creation. These different situations where the psalmist views God as sleeping because they're waiting. Again, this is human understanding of God. The psalmist knows that God doesn't slumber or sleep, that God doesn't, isn't a fire-breathing uh, dragon. He knows that these are all terms to uh, give us a picture of what God is doing. Again, in the book of Genesis, Adam, where are you? There's many, many examples of this. It's important, absolutely important for us to understand God is unchanging. Those places in Scripture where it seems like He's changing, there's a better understanding of that. Okay? There's a deeper understanding of those things. So, again, if you have any questions, prayer requests, or testimonies, please let me know. Make sure to like and share this video. Um, make sure to subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, please comment. We appreciate that. Please like it. And, again, questions or prayer requests, please let me know. May God bless you.